Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 234 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, we'll have the whole crew here at some point tonight. We've got a bit of a mixed match going on here, but we're going to preview the 2023 CFL Division Finals. We're going to discuss a couple other storylines from this week, get into breaking down the matchups, and of course, we'll make our betting picks here tonight as well. Uh, I'm Ryan, joined by Mike. Uh, Adam is going to come in at some point. He's uh, he's on the road right now, trying to get home as quick as he can. And uh, I think maybe Trey took the night off, but somebody new is in his space there. Uh, we've got we, we've got Spider-Man on the podcast for a playoff show now. Uh, how's it going? Pretty good. I thought I'd take a day off from saving the city and, you know, talk some football. I love it. I love it. Uh, rocking I, I, the... Be honest, yeah, I've played so much Spider-Man video games over the last two or three weeks. This was my kid's Halloween costume, so I said I have to throw it on and play while wearing this. And it honestly <laughs> made the whole experience way better. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up at the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that was the superhero. Like, that was the first big one. Every kid wants to be Superman, I feel like, right? Like that, or uh, Spider-Man, like that seems to be one of the big ones. And now these video games come out and you just get to fly around. And it's just wild. So I'm living out my fantasy today. I don't care. I'm doing it. I love it. You're rocking the Spider-Man mask for those listening to the uh, audio version. Uh, You're killing it there, Trey. Uh, Mike, how are you doing tonight? No Spider-Man mask for you. Uh, You and I didn't get the memo that it was costume day. I think Trey, you know, daylight savings time, time change, Trey, it does not fall back eight days to Halloween. It's... uh, it's november but you don't uh, want to see inside my head you don't want to see (laughs) but mike how are you tonight i'm good i decided to wear the costume of my most authentic self possible oh no where's the leaf shirt (laughs) not present (laughs) i shall not speak of thy result tonight well did they lose i was gonna ask okay good it's uh, okay, Mike. You don't have a I, I, race, I, so. I did say at one point the Sens were going to be better than the Leafs. So, I mean, I'm right so far. So, I'll take that. Uh, it's early. Training. On or off the ice. Um, <laughs> based on everything going on with them. Anyways, we're, we're going to talk about the CFL Division Finals today. We're also going to take your comments and questions in our live chat throughout the night because we are live thanks to presenting sponsor Game Time TV. Uh, learn more at GameTimeTV.ca uh, and send those comments and questions in throughout the night. We also want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojukri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. And also, if you're looking for additional content on top of our weekly episodes here, uh, check out the CFC Discord community. There's a link in the episode description. It's free to join. uh, And we talk CFL, we talk NFL, anything and everything in between. They're in the Discord as well, uh, in between episodes and throughout the offseason as we get closer to that. I think next week, maybe, we'll tease up some of our fun little plans for the offseason, but... You know, we're going to be here throughout the rest of the playoffs. And then we're going to do a season wrap-up show. And Adam kind of came up with the idea to do the CFC Season Ending Awards show uh, as our season wrap-up. So 
I need your help as the listeners for that. Uh, I need you to send in your favorite moments uh, from the show this season. If you have clips or can point me to an episode and a timestamp, even better. Uh, But what were our best moments? Our worst predictions, our best predictions, our funniest moments, things like that. You can send them on Twitter at CFCountdownPod or in our Discord, uh, and we'll try to compile something together and look back at all of the things we said wrong this year, I think is going to be a great way to end the season. Nothing better than a blooper show. Let's go. Yeah. Isn't that every week? I've been the most positive in maybe just replaying some of last week's show where Trey and I didn't have an argument. That might have been the first time off season where we agreed on something. It's been so nice when you were gone. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Mikey. Or still, I call you Spider Man. That's fine. You can be my Mary Jane any day, man. It's fine. <laughs> All right, let's get to our first topic of the evening, which is uh, like I said, we're going to get into a few from this past week. So, uh, division semifinals came and uh, went, not too much excitement there. They were a little bit of blowouts, uh, but some interesting storylines came out of that Hamilton Montreal game. And the biggest one was Bo Levi Mitchell being benched for the majority of the East semifinal by the Ticats. They decide coming into the game that Matt Schiltz is going to get the start. Schiltz gets next to nothing going offensively. They move the ball down the field a little bit, uh, but uh, I don't think they scored an offensive touchdown in the game. And as we're watching, I'm thinking... It's halftime. Okay, now's the point where you put Bo in. Because they said they were going to play both quarterbacks in that game. He comes out of the half, Schultz still starts. Then, you know, another drive, another drive. All of a sudden, six minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter is when Bo Levi Mitchell comes in, gets nothing done. Uh, the Alouettes go off to the East final. And Bo, post-game, you know, kind of came out in the, the comments and talked a little bit about uh you know you uh, his future with the team that he doesn't see it very promising to paraphrase because you put your highest paid player on the bench when it matters most uh let's go to you first mike what do you think of this whole situation here um for me it's the same as last year right um Bowden made it out of that game with calgary um didn't make it in this one um this one for me, I think is more concerning than the other one against Calgary, just because he is the highest paid. You brought the guy in to win a great cup. You're not in your great cup at home. Um, you know, you could make the argument whether he deserves to play based on track record. I would have, I did have that discussion with anybody that wants. Um, you know, you ride your hottest quarterback going into the playoffs. Um, but like, I'm just seriously left wondering what is next for Bull? Uh, if it's not Hamilton, then where's it gonna be? Right? But to defeat the defeat uh, you know, you can't, you know, it's not a good luck if you're the most paid quarterback on the team, most money on the team, and you, you don't play in the biggest game of the season. Well, Unfortunately, the chairs of quarterbacks in the Canadian football league are few. The music is starting to slow down. And 
I mean, it's time for Bo to maybe realize, but he's not a CFL starter. Um, you know, Calgary has this knack, and, and I'm sorry to go on and on and on, but they seem to have this idea of a guy that's fiery tag of, you know, this is the guy, as far as he can go, release him before he's on the downside of his career. You could say Bo had some bad luck, but even when he played, wasn't really anything to rate home about. I'm not entirely shocked they went with Schiltz. Now I just the biggest question is do they make Powell the number one? Yeah, and that's something we can discuss throughout the offseason here. Trey, we're gonna go to you for your thoughts here next. But first, Adam has arrived in studio. Uh Adam, how are you doing tonight? You are muted. <laughs> Yeah, great way to start it. Uh, Ryan, don't you mean F name? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. Can, a bit of an can you clear up that reference uh, for people who didn't see it? So anyways, I went and I got my uh, season ticket renewal reminder, and there's this MVP plan that you can sign up for if you're a Rough Rider fan. Uh gives you three years, gives you a jersey, gives you a few other little perks with the uh, MVP plan. And uh, I signed up for that last time because – you were able to get your great cup tickets where you sit, which was really cool. So I thought, okay, well, you know what? We'll sign up for that. Well, today they sent me an email and you know how they have on, uh, if you go and have a uh, generic email and you want to make it personalized, you can go and get the list of your customers and go and put in their first name or their last name. And you can put that into your uh, mailer. Well, somebody at Ryderville doesn't know how to clearly run that program because I was called dear F name. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I was tempted to put that as my profile name today and just go to call myself F name for the whole day. But yeah, you should um, get a jersey. That's not really a great way of uh, you know, getting your foot out of your mouth, uh, Saskatchewan, and trying to convince us season ticket holders to uh, come back. But nevertheless, I, I think you get a jersey with that name on the back and uh, <laughs> and wear it proudly front row. I, you know what? That's actually not a bad idea. I might just do that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're talking about Bo Levi Mitchell getting benched here, so we'll go back to you here, Trey, and then we'll come back to you, Adam. Uh, what do you think of the situation? Um, I want to just take a point off of what Mike said. Do we, in hindsight, do we really think Hamilton tried to get to the Great Cup this year? Like, I don't know. Like, what did they really do? You know, they they signed a quarterback for what half a million a year who barely played, <clears throat> and when he when the spotlight should have been on him, they didn't even start him. And I, I don't know. I, I think I think he should have gotten the keys to this game at the beginning. You know, I think it, you, you give him your last chance. You go with the prove like the guy who's proven a little more over. You know, the vet. I don't know. Am I wrong? Like, should should have should it was Schultz the right choice? I think he was. I think he was the right choice to start uh, because he was. I think he's the best quarterback on the roster, so I think he deserved the the chance to start. I think they should have put Bo in earlier uh, when it wasn't working out well, uh, though. During that game, they waited way too long. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Actually, I'm going to go on the opposite side of all you. I'm going to go with Master Schultz was in there for the right amount of time. He was making drives, getting downfield. He was getting the yardage. It just seems like they couldn't quite finish any plays. Now, a few of those were drops. A few of those were just poor runs by James Butler. So, to me, Matthew Schultz was doing what he needed to do to get that field efficiently downfield. 
So I didn't see a big issue with him being in there for as long as he was. Uh, if you really wanted to say it, maybe you could have left Bo Levi Mitchell and started putting him in in the second quarter or after the second half. I like that idea. Out of uh, I think it was Ryan that said it during in our Discord chat. Uh, said, hey, I don't mind this if Bo Levi can look at uh, on defense for a half and then go in. I think that might have worked as well. But uh, yeah, I I don't see any real issue with this and why Schultz was in there till the till garbage time essentially. Uh, Bolivar Mitchell this year has not proven anything to be a good quarterback in the CFL. He makes bad plays. He's been throwing uh, interceptions for the most part, minus against Saskatchewan where he looked like old Bolivar Mitchell. Other than that one game, he hasn't really done much. So, I don't know. To me, like I said, yes, he's the highest-paid quarterback. Yes, that to me should be worth absolutely nothing because you put your best quarterback in, not your highest-paid. So, I don't know. To me, like I said, I don't like Bolivide nailed it on the head. He said he probably won't be back next year. Yeah, it's probably because of performance. It's not just because of the contract. Well, I think it's a mix of it, right? Like that last interception should most definitely be Bo's last pass in a tie cats uniform, because I think his comments were valid. If you're going to pay him that much. And despite that, you're benching him. That just shows how little the team trusts him to get it done at this point, right? So it's like, is the team going to want to pay that for the next two years to, to and not trust him? No, and they don't have any guaranteed money in his contract because uh, I think you had to sign with your previous team in order to do that. And so from the team, it doesn't make sense to keep him for next year. And from Bo's standpoint, if the team's not going to trust you, it doesn't make sense for him. You know, he can go find another job somewhere else. So uh, I guess quick question for each of you is what do you think is next for Bo uh, after this? Mike? What do I mean is next for Bo? Um, it decides what Bo wants to do. I think he needs to – I think he's a, a humble Bo Levi Mitchell, believe it or not, in those post-game comments. Um, I think two years ago, maybe last year, we would have seen a defiant bow. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. To me, I think we saw Diver was self-aware of it. You know, I think it speaks volumes, and again, paraphrase, that it speaks volumes. That, you know, your most paid guy is on the bench in the biggest game of the season. That, that, to me, is some self-awareness, and I think the rest of it is up to bow. But... For me, his days of being a $175,000 to $200,000 quarterback, done. The question is, is he going to be a starter? Or the question is, is he going to humble himself enough to be a backup quarterback? If so, where? And he has to do some inner searching of what he is okay with. Or is the alternative that he just retires? Um, to be honest, I don't think he's been the same quarterback since he had those shoulder issues in Calgary, which was sort of, I think, the last year that he was there or the year before they kind of started. Um, to be honest, I, I feel for the guy. Um, his best days are behind him, unfortunately. And I, I, I hate to use the word washed up because that's not of accurate depiction of Bo. I just think he needs to reset and figure out what his priorities are. For me, 
I really only look at Ottawa as a potential starters option for him, if not at the backup, if not if if not as retirement. And it's really didn't come down to me to what Bo wants to do. What do you think? Trey, so Trey, me up next. Um, they're always looking for people to flip burgers and scrub toilets, man. So Bo can, you know. Uh, no, I think I think his playing games are done too. I, I, I think I, I think probably we'll see him on TSN, if not next year, the season after, or probably next year, because uh, TSN definitely needs to spice some things up. But playing wise, I don't even know. Do you, do you think Ottawa really wants to go that route? Maybe if the schooners were in this year, I could see them maybe taking them in the expansion kind of thing, but that's not for a while now. So yeah, I, I can't see him playing anytime soon, Adam. You know, if I was Sportsnet or I was CBC, I would be signing them to a contract uh, for the, when the 2026 uh, TV deal comes up on TSN and say, look, we've got Bo Levi Mitchell. You guys know him. Uh, just as an interesting thought for uh, after uh, playing days for Bo Levi. But I don't think he's done, to be honest with you. I think he's going to get a shot somewhere because, let's face it, if the CFL knows one thing, it knows carousels. Uh, if it's co- uh, coaches or if it's quarterbacks. So, you know what I'm going to say? Chris Jones, even though he says that Trey Ford is the number one coach, our number one quarterback coming in, he's going to bring in Bo Levi Mitchell because, you know what, he's an athlete and he's a big name and – Gosh, I need a quarterback like that, and he's from Texas. He's all my kind of guy. He'll be in Edmonton Elk next year. I think I whoa, agree with. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> Mike just, Mike just the heard what I said. Chase right, right off the stove. I, I think I agree with what uh, one of the comments here, Buckshot Kid, said. Bone new team will be the TSN starting ne- next week or starting next. He did the playoffs on TSN. I think on the panel last year or the year before, and I didn't think he did too bad. You know, put him in the panel. Heck, put him in the booth. I want to see what Bo in the booth would be like as well. I I think that's the best fit for him. I don't think it's going to get better for him in the CFL going forward as a quarterback, right? With him on the decline, takes a backup job late. Like, go out now. Your legacy is still there. Yeah, the last couple of years has been down, but that's not going to stop you from one day going in the Hall of Fame. And go over to TSN. And you know what? Maybe injuries. Why do I say maybe? Injuries are going to happen next year. Say midseason. Somebody's in desperate need. You don't think they're calling Bo Levi Mitchell at that point, right? Like, if they need one, like, who better to call at that point? So, that's that's kind of how I see it playing out as well. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll get a job somewhere. But there's I don't expect a ton of quarterback movement this offseason. Uh, one super quick other topic that came out of this game was Chris Edwards getting suspended yet again for three games for his actions at the end of the East semifinal. Uh, I think he, what, fought with Jeshra and Antwi a little bit and tried to throw him to the ground. He started taunting the bench, taunting the crowd. A whole brawl broke out. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we want to get talking about this game's weeks, but... Do we all agree or does anybody disagree that like this this suspension six games last year for that fight with the fans like is Chris Edwards done in the CFL like who's taking a chance on him now if he's just going to get suspended every year Anybody have any thoughts Honestly 
yeah, honestly, this guy's got it cool. I mean, have the fight that one game there. He had a uh, didn't he have some sort of other brawl or something go on one time before with the Argonauts? And uh, this guy here is just kind of an embarrassment. I mean, you're you're down by whatever you were. Thirty seconds left. The game's over. Instead, you go and you try to do a suplex on Jake Hardy and call on the Alouette's bench. I mean, you do that sign of stupid stuff in hockey or any other league, you're going to be pretty much tossed and not coming back. It's time. Chris Edwards, I, yeah, honestly, the defense where Chris Edwards plays, he hasn't been that great this season. Uh, it's time for him to go and go a long ways away from Canada. Ditto. One thing, one thing I will say is I think this three-name suspension is a sort of cautionary reminder that the CFL might be thinking an appeal is coming, so it's the best way to keep it a suspension of some time. But that enough is enough with me. Uh, when when I heard that Chris Edwards did something, and I was out at a hockey game, and I got a tattoo. You see what Chris Edwards did? Like, honestly, doesn't surprise me anymore. Um, you know, you win with class, you lose with class. Um, Chris Edwards didn't get that memo again. And unfortunately, moments like this where you learn a lot about people, um, I'm all for second chances, but third, fourth, fifth chance. Sorry, time's up, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't think the talent justifies the discipline issues at this point. He's a great football player, but, you know, clearly can't handle the the tense playoff situations well two years in a row. Uh, he's done with the Ticats. You got to think, and he should probably be done with the CFL. All right, let's uh, move on to our uh, game previews here. Let's talk about the East Final, the Montreal Alouettes visiting the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Montreal at 11 and 7, Toronto at 16 and 2. Um, three matchups between these teams this year. The Argos swept them 35 27 on July 14, 39 to 10 on September 9th, and then in a rematch the week after, a 23 to 20 victory there for the Argos. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, the game for this one. Betting line minus 11. Uh, the Argos, the favorites right now. We'll get into that. We'll make our picks at the end of this preview, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a division final with that big of a, a, a slide there. So, you know what? Let's open it up here to uh, what's everybody's top storyline for this matchup between these two teams. Uh, Adam, let's go to you first. Well, I think mine is that Cody Fajardo essentially is in another Grey Cup uh, uh, finals. Uh, I mean, he went with one with Toronto. He's went with two in Saskatchewan. The guy there can figure out when he gets in the playoffs how to win games, except for, you know, maybe if he doesn't hit uprights, he might be a little better. Uh, nevertheless, though, I know in Saskatchewan, that'll be the big topic this week, is Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo both making the East final while Saskatchewan's enjoying their hot chocolate and watching the snow fly while Mosaic Stadium's getting filled up with snow. So... Uh, out in the Gopher province, I know that's what we're talking about. Trey, what's going on in uh, your side of the world? Ah, oh, jeez. 
This game's an interesting one. Like, I guess as the betting expert, I'll talk about the betting line. You know, 11 points. That is crazy. You know, and these teams, you know, anything. We were talking NFL before the matchup, and anything can happen in division games. And this is obviously a division game. These teams have seen each other multiple times this year. Yes, Toronto has outclassed everybody pretty much. But I don't know, nine, 11 points and a pretty high over-under. And, oh, man. So even on a neutral field or in Montreal, this game would still be like six points. And that's wild or five points bad at math. I'm an English major. But um, I don't know. Like it just seems like is is this one. This almost seems like a trap game. And we'll talk about it when we get into it. 11 points. Like Toronto just needs to win by one. And I think that's all they need to focus on is let's win by one. Because none of the players should be putting uh, any bets on the spread. I think that's frowned upon. But in Montreal, the other way, don't worry about a plus 11. You you need to do everything you can to win. So I, I think, Richard in the chat, I, I don't think there's been a huge spread in playoffs. I, I can't remember one since I've been gambling, and that's, you know, but it's this is wild. Mike, what do you like in this game? Yeah, I... Here's what I said on it. I, I think there's no doubt Toronto didn't win the game. I'm just very stuck on this line of 11. Um, it's a playoff game. Goofier things have happened. Um, Montreal had the puncher's chance. And, you know, if, if, if I'm Montreal, I am pulling my dice in the dressing room after practice, on the practice field, in the meeting rooms. Tune out all the noise. Let's go play football. Let's force a couple turnovers. Let's see what happens. Nobody is expecting us to win except for our fan base, mostly. Um, I haven't seen one sort of person that follows the CFL realistically say that Montreal had the shot. Um, It's We've got people in the comments saying Montreal. Like, 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 to, like, to me, I think Montreal absolutely being disrespected. And I'm going to dip my pit right here. I think Toronto didn't win the game, but it will be less than 10 points. I I really struggle with this being a 10-plus sort of victory. Because of the playoffs and anything can happen. You, you force... Two or three turnovers, you force two or three interceptions. It's I'm not saying Montreal didn't win. I'm just saying they're going to keep this closer than people think for longer than people think. If I was Montreal, I'd have a whiteboard with plus eleven written on it all week. That's honestly <laughs> That's what plus I would 11 do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to just run this fact value you guys too. There's only been three teams that have been in professional football. Uh, the CFL or the NFL that have ever had 16 win games uh, and then played in one or went into the playoffs. The 2007 New England Patriots, ask them what happened. And ask the 1989 Edmonton Football Club what happened to them uh, also in the West Final. So there is a curse on 16 wins. I don't know what it is, but you know what? Toronto. Uh, I, I let's face it. If they take their eye off the ball, and somehow Montreal and Cody Fajardo can throw a great game, 
and he's done it over the years. He's had very good football games, and you have everything working for you. Montreal could win this game, and I'm not without a question. Uh, there's been games that have been only a three-point game against the uh, Toronto Argonauts this year. And the other thing also is it's very tough to win four games in a row in one season against the same team. So to me, I really like the Montreal Alouettes' chances in this one. It sounds crazy. You're playing them again in the East Final. You're playing in Toronto again. Uh, I remember back in 08 when uh, the young Mark Trespin went and said, gentlemen, we got them right where we want them. I don't know. I, I like Montreal's chances here, right? I don't buy into this whole it's hard to beat a time four team four times. I don't think the previous three meetings matter at all for for this game, right? Like we're talking two months later, lots has happened in between, right? Like they they prep for the game like any others. I don't know. I don't think I don't think that makes it any less likely in a lot of situations. Sometimes a team is just better than the other team, and that's the biggest storyline in this game for me is we've known since halfway through the season that most likely this was going to be the East final. These teams have known since the midpoint of the season that this was most likely going to be the East final. Like the Argos had this circled as the only meaningful game for them uh, for the past six weeks. The Montreal Wets had this circled that to get to this point, you got to get ready to play Toronto in here. So that is what I am most intrigued by is Toronto's playing their first meaningful game in seven weeks. Seemingly, that didn't slow them down down the stretch, even when they were resting uh, some of their starters. So now everybody's back in. This is go time for them. And on Montreal's side, that trend again continued last week where they dominated other teams and shut them down defensively, but they've yet to do that against the teams that have been better than them in the standings this season. So now it's time to see, can Montreal find that extra gear in the playoffs when every trend throughout this season is leading towards, yeah, Toronto's the much better team here, which leads to that minus 11 line. Uh, so it's interesting that to me that we've known this is coming. So what are we going to get from this game? And, and that kind of leads to a question we got uh, from Richard in our discord community earlier uh, today, which is, we are all talking about the Argos being favorites, although, Adam, I know you're giving Montreal a shot here. So what two things or what's something the Alouettes need to do uh, to pull off the upset over the uh, Argos here? Adam, you're highest on them, so we'll go back to you first. Well, they have to be have a perfect game. I mean, you can't go in and make any mistakes with the Toronto Argonauts there. Chad Kelly is just too good, and that defense, if you lay a ball up and not look at it, McManus or... Uh, Anybody else, for that matter, on that defense can't pick it off at any time. So Cody Fajardo's going to have one of those games where he doesn't make any real mental mistakes and throws a ball up like uh, he has a tendency of doing at least once or twice a game. So the other part that I think that the uh, Montreal defense really has to work on is containing Chad Kelly. Uh, not that they have to worry about him leaving the pocket. He doesn't do that a whole lot, but more of getting in his face a lot. I mean, this is going to be his technically first playoff start uh which is sounds crazy now but uh nevertheless he you got to get in his face you got to get him worked up he hasn't had any big big games like this toronto the the, the bmo field's going to be rocking i mean you got twenty three thousand plus people there you've got the trues at halftime you got a huge huge game for the argonauts and 
the pressure is going to be on the Argonauts. They're expected to win this. So if you're the Alouettes, you got to put on full pressure again onto the quarterback. See if you can make something pop of it. And uh, again, big thing for Cody Pajardo is don't do anything dumb and make those uh, errant passes once in a while that he likes to do. Uh, especially try to aim down the field a little bit when maybe he doesn't need to. Trey, what do the uh, Alouettes need to do to maybe pull off the upset against your buddy, uh, Chad Keller? Hopefully they paid a, a ticket and travel for the air horn guy to go to BMO. I think that would help out a lot. But uh, no, I hate I think... it so much. I, I, that game last week was brutal. <laughs> brutal. But uh, Sounds like seagulls every minute. It is. But I think that... Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to be completely honest. I am starting to side with Adam and on this game. And I, I hate to say it, but the more and more I every day, more and more, I think Montreal could win this. And I think that they just need. It's going to be tough because you're going to have to slow down Olet and Harris if he's playing. And then if those two are slowed down, you still have to stop Chad Kelly, who has been arguably the one of the best court player in the league this year. But I think that they have done it. Montreal has been a pretty good team, right? The only team they have lost to in their division has been the Argos, correct? So, I mean, and the Montreal Alouettes are 6-3 and three on the road. Like, that's pretty good lines here. They play they play better on the road, technically, than they do at home. So, but home field advantage doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. To everybody but me, it matters, apparently. How does that add up? You literally just said this team is better on the road. We're not going to get into that tonight. That's a it's whole mental. Off-season. It's mental. It's mental to them. They It matters to them. So that's all that Oh, matters. so it does matter. Yeah, sure. It matters a little bit. There but, we go. Uh, all right. <laughs> I can't keep the shtick going any longer. So fine. It matters a little bit. Not as much as people think it does, but it matters a little bit. We've but had I growth think, here tonight. Yeah, now I'm agreeing with Adam and going with Montreal. Now home field matters. Maybe I'm sick. Something's going around again. I don't know. I, I think that – and I think Fajardo needs to be the Fajardo that was – that almost led the Rough Riders to the Grey Cup in 2019. You know what I mean? He needs to be that guy because that year he was pretty dangerous. Wasn't Saskatchewan the best team in the West that year? The best team in the league, right? Yeah. He needs to be that Fajardo. I don't want to be talking next week about Bo and Fajardo – being on the panel or finding new jobs, right? So I think he's the guy that I, I'm more. Oh man, yeah. If you know what I mean, if the game comes down to it's like twenty five twenty, and I have to pick which quarterback I want to be the one leading the team, I'd almost pick Fajardo over Kelly right now because Fajardo has done it. Kelly had what one or two drives against Winnipeg last year in this high stress situation. He's had a he's had a talented team around him. He's got. Arguably the greatest, even if he hasn't been playing, probably the greatest Canadian running back or one of the greatest Canadian running backs on his sideline. He's got Dinwiddie, who's been a coach or a player in this league. He's got Olette, who's a beast. He's got a great team around him. Fajardo's been doing it with not the same talent pieces, right? But he'll still drive down the field. So that's what I want. But he won't put the ball in the end zone is the big difference there, right? Is He's not so far this season. That's really, that's my big thing Montreal has to do. They got to air the ball out. The Argos' pass defense has not been good all season long. But, you know, I was surprised when they said on the broadcast this week that Fajardo was 1% back of the best completion percentage in Alouette's history behind Calvillo with like 72% of his passes. But yet that hasn't transluted to offense because 
you know, we talked about this a little in the Discord community uh, during the game. His depth of target hasn't been there. So it's play aggressive offense. Throw a couple deep balls. You can't tell me Austin Mack can't come down with a couple of those uh, deep balls to make a difference here. Mike, you would be familiar with that, given all the points he scored on your fantasy team uh, this season. What's, what does what can Montreal do as the underdog to uh, to pull this one out? Well, what can Montreal do? I think we just rattled off a list of everything that I said all right for Montreal to have a chance in this game. Uh I'm going to steal something from uh, Potter in the chat that he was kind of along the same lines. Uh, the return game has to be neutralized. Um, this is probably one of the most prolific returners in the league, uh, but the lead has seen in some time. Uh, he thrives off dead field position. The Ardo thrive off dead field position. But as, here's the one thing that would worry me. We're talking about Chad Kelly having an off day. We're talking about the special teams having an off day. We're talking about the defense having an off day. What are the odds of all that happening in one game? It hasn't happened yet. If the defense doesn't let him down, if the defense lets him down, Kelly's the type of quarterback that can win a 48-45 game. Kelly doesn't have it. This defense is capable of winning an 18-16 game. You need something out of special teams. Toronto can do that too, you know? They, 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 they just come at you in so many different ways that it's kind of like you just have to hope that you can contain them, get some breaks, and Toronto self-implodes. And that's just it. You, The other thing that if I'm Montreal and not to sort of hash out what has already been discussed, but this is what? The fourth game between these two? The fifth game between these two? Fourth. Fourth? Okay, so they're three and all. It's very hard to beat a team four times in a row. Still disagree. Right? Is this it? Is this perhaps one of the greatest teams in CFL history with no disrespect to the team that ran this town last year at 15 and three? We thought that was a pretty good team. What okay. happened to that team? One big play. When it mattered the most. To be fair, they were the sloppiest fifteen and three football team yeah. I've ever seen. Whereas the Argos Again, literally but, look flawless. Again, so. Again, you're not going to take away a fifteen and three record, are you? I would. I would. So, so, but the fact of the matter is, we're talking about a lot of different things here that have to go wrong for. Yeah. Exactly. I disagree because that's what everybody said last year with Winnipeg. A lot of things have to go wrong, and they lost. The year before, everything had to go wrong, or the 2019, everything had to go wrong for Hamilton to lose to yeah. Winnipeg or Saskatchewan to lose to Winnipeg. When Calgary played those 9-9 nine and nine teams you know, years ago, everything had to go wrong, and it does. Chaos happens. Chaos is the, is the norm, right? I, and I think... I think beat Toronto or Montreal has just of a good a chance of beating Toronto today as BC or Winnipeg does next week. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, this team is yeah. here for both all four teams are here for a reason. I agree with Ryan. Throw those three games out. I, those don't matter. You're not gonna, you know, if Montreal is smart, you're not gonna see a single play that is the same. And these guys are professional players, professional coaches. And if you do throw a play in there, you're gonna have a different look. It, it's I think that. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to take Montreal today, aren't I? Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get we'll but, get to that. But, here's, the thing, but, 
here's my thing then. If you're going to throw out the 4-0 or the 3-0 or 4-0 don't matter, then you got to throw out the 16-2 and because this is one game. It don't matter what happened all in the regular season. Toronto, if you really want to be honest, they haven't played a meaningful game since they pretty much played Hamilton and Labor Day. Uh, they knew they were pretty much going to be first at that point. So you never know. Toronto could just come in and absolutely lay an egg. I don't see it. I'm sure that Ryan Dinwood, he's got those guys been moving and trying to get him motivated and doing everything he can. And I'm sure that they'll come in ready to go. But think, crazy things happen. Again, there was no reason in 1989 that the Rough Riders should have ever made even close to the Grey Cup. In all honesty, there wasn't. Like they, they scraped in on the last game of the year. They played Calgary. Somehow they won that one. And then they went in and beat Edmonton. Which, again, that's a team with Warren Moon and all sorts of crazy guys on that team. And probably one of the greatest teams on turf, with the exception of the greatest team on turf, the LA Rams, or the St. Louis Rams. But nevertheless, I mean, the Riders should have never been in there. Uh, yet they were. So crazy things happen. It's a one-game show. Uh, Montreal, if they can play a pretty good game, and they've got some momentum now. Maybe they get they're fired up because of that last thirty three seconds that happened in against Hamilton. Who knows? You might just pull off one of the biggest upsets in league history. Okay, well, so we're talking about a lot of things needing to go right for Montreal here, and a lot of things really needing to go wrong for Toronto. You know, if we look at those positional matchups, I, I feel like we can probably yada yada through these ones pretty quickly because we we all agree Toronto is the better team, right? Uh, so. You know, if we split it up to offense, defense, special teams, and coaching, I, I'll i give Montreal the edge on defense, actually, slightly, just because they have shut teams down all season long, and that Toronto pass defense, again, I, I'm a little iffy on. But offensively, they've scored uh, 25 more offensive touchdowns than the Alouettes, second in the league at 56-31 to 31 for Montreal. Special teams, we've talked about uh, being needing to shut down that return games. Coaching could be an interesting debate, but really the only one I'm giving Montreal at the edge on is defense uh, here a little bit. Is there any category uh, that you think the Alouettes, uh, does anybody here have a category where they think Montreal has a clear advantage over the Argos? Or You maybe could throw an argument that David Cote has been a little bit more consistent than Boris Beattie. But that's the that big straws. Yeah, he's had, I think he was at 75% on the year, actually, only. So, not even. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, otherwise, I mean, special teams. Javon Lee clearly is the best special teams player right now on either team. Running game, I mean, it. Uh, William Stanback ain't what he used to be. Uh, and AJ Let looks like a mini four. Uh, like I say, uh, same thing also in the receiving core. I yeah, the receiving core is a little more even, maybe. It's still probably advantage Toronto, uh, just because of Devontae Coxie. I don't know if Curly Gittins Jr. is going to be back for this game. Uh, like I said, those are some good pieces in Toronto, but they seem to do it by committee in, uh, in receiving cores. So, yeah, I really I don't think there's very much that Toronto, uh, Toronto really uh, does real well. I mean, they're kind of a little bit of ball hawks on the defense, as Richard's saying in the chat. Uh, and they are dependent on turnovers, the defense. So that I agree with. Uh, but Montreal is just really good at uh, instilling a lot of pass rush and getting a lot of plays off 
uh, and getting into people's faces and, you know, causing it to an out. So. Trey, Mike, any, any category you give Montreal the edge in here, Mike, you're nodding. No Trey, you're thinking. Well, no. I, I'm just not in no because I don't want to add otherwise already been said. Um, Fair enough. I can't explain anything I'm feeling right now, guys. I just can't. <laughs> and sometimes that's and that's just sports, right? You know, like we saw in baseball, a fifth seed played a sixth seed in the World Series, right? And you can't explain why. And that's the beauty of sports. We've got somebody in that. We've got Buck in the chat uh, asking how many defensive touchdowns do the Argos have? Uh, I've been trying to scroll through the stat sheet to find it, and I don't see it listed here. But I know they've got a decent number of them. They've got enough of them. Exactly. Yeah. I I feel like we've just basically only talked about Montreal uh, besides saying Toronto is good. Like that, I feel like that's all we've had to talk about during this because that is true. Like that's the major storyline here, right? Is what can Montreal do to overcome uh, the behemoths of the East, the beasts of the East, uh, which is the Toronto Argonauts. So let's dive right into our picks, I think, for this game then. Uh, We've, I think we've all kind of hinted at where we're going here, but let's go picks uh, straight up against the spread. Again, 11 point spread and the over under is 50.5 betting expert. Trey, take it away. Uh, first of all, 50 and a half. Take the, Ooh, what, you know what? Give me quick here. I'm going to, I'm going to Google the weather in Toronto this weekend. Cause that could be a big factor. If it's a chillier day. Um, Plus three right now. Ooh, a balmy plus five on Saturday in the six. I'll take the over 50 and a half. I could see it being a, a, a gunslinger show. Um, but the spread straight up. Give me, let me see here. Where's my friend's ch- translation? Aller, alets, aller. That means go, Alouettes, go. I'll take them plus 11 and outright win this one. And yeah, um, I don't care who who's, who's got next, boys. Well, I may as well go next. I think um, I'm putting a 6-0 and betting line on the line because I don't think I've ever been wrong in a playoff bet yet uh, for straight up. I just wanted to mention that. So, Because last year I think I got everyone right. And then this week, uh, last week I got everyone right. So, so far since doing the podcast, I haven't been wrong in a bet yet. Well, I should let you go first before I did my picks then. Well, yeah. But, you know. Uh I'm going to go with Montreal Alouettes. I just, I have a feeling. Uh, it's just something about that team this year that they don't really seem to ever die. Everybody thought that, oh my gosh, they got Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. They're going to be in the basement. They end up going and clawing their way into a home playoff game. They all of a sudden get Darnell Sankey, who's been just absolutely amazing on the line. They get Sean Lemon, the leading sack leader of last year. That defense is scary. If Fajardo is confident and has a good day and can give a little bit of sprinkles onto something that he's uh, feeding the rest of the team, uh, and, he can, and he doesn't hit an upright, I could say that Montreal is going to win this game. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take Montreal outright. Mike? I have a question. Oh, my God. Is that <laughs> Montreal outright pit serious or... Are you just wanted to see, or are you just wanted to see Rider Nation's heads explode? 
Nobody does reverse psychology bit. in their betting picks like will, you do, Mike. I will, no, I will screenshot. I'll screenshot. I did an outright BC and Montreal outright winning bet, and I'll put it in the group chat. And I'll well, spoiler like, alert. Well, yeah, I, I'm dead serious. I something about Montreal just tells me that they're going to win this game. I, I like I said, I I don't like Chad Kelly's as his first playoff game. Fajardo has the experience, and Sankey and Lemon are beasts. I mean, that's why I'm going to go with Montreal. I. Don't get me wrong, Jamal Peters and Winton McManus and all those guys in the Toronto defense are scary. Uh, like, EJ like and Andrew Harris is a one-two back punch. That's pretty good, too. But when the push comes to shove, the quarterback has to usually take one year of experience. And maybe Chad Kelly's fine. Maybe he'll be great. We seen it last year with Nathan Rourke. In the end, it didn't mm-hmm. work out for BC. I'm going to go on the same boat in this one, though, and that's why I'm taking Montreal. But it is a serious pick. And I want to watch the head explode at the end of the night. I, I, I was just wondering because, uh, yeah, I was, I was just wondering in general. Because um, usually I'm the one that's supposed to bring the chaos. So maybe Adam didn't get the memo about that one. Um, we're all dead. Uh, all seriousness, though, I'm pitching over 50 and a half, over 50 and a half points in this one. I think Toronto can put up almost 50 on their own. I think Toronto didn't get the 30 points. It'll be a 30 to 20 something to get us over 50. Uh, I like Montreal to cover. I don't like the plus 11. I think it to be much under that. Probably a one possession game both ways. And my pit is Toronto by about five to six points. I and don't, don't, don't ask me for a score prediction because I was horribly off last week. You always have them ready, though. Uh, I'm going to take Montreal to cover, but I am absolutely taking the Argos to win this game. Zero question about it. Uh, If the line was a little bit less, honestly, I'd take Toronto as well. But I always get, I always, when when it's above 10, I I tend to bet the underdog there just because anything can happen. And in two of the three games this year, Montreal would have covered this spread, but. I'm going to take the Argos to win this one, and I will take the over uh, 50 and a half, I think, as well, because they could put some points. Well, yeah, I think I still will. Yes. Yeah. I also, I guess I forgot to say, I'm taking the under on this game. Both defenses are too strong for over 50. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, six defensive touchdowns from the Argos. Uh, we got to comment in the chat, so thank you for that. I thought it was more than that, honestly. Also, Toronto's average starting field position is the 41-yard line. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. Uh, and uh note here from Richard as well that Adam's picking Montreal despite wearing an Argos hat right now. So we're as unbiased as we come. Well, I'm, uh, I'm wearing here. the ring too, right? So never take it <laughs> there off. There we go. All right, let's move on to the West final here, which has the BC Lions at 12 and 6 visiting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at 14 and 4, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. The line is Bombers minus 5 over under, also 50 and a half. Three games between these teams this year. Uh, BC blew out the Bombers 30 to 6 back on June 22nd, and the Bombers blew them out of the water on August 3rd, 50 to 14. Uh, the all-anticipated matchup on October 6th, which really decided the standings, had Winnipeg beating BC 34-26 in overtime. 
We've had two blowouts. We've had one game go to overtime. What are we going to get from these teams in the playoffs? Major storylines. What's the biggest one in this game for, uh, for you, Mike? I had the biggest storyline is who can get that dominant offensive line one with the running game. BC, to me, hadn't shown an ability or a commitment to want to run the ball. Winnipeg, to me, get a lead, run the ball, don't turn the ball over. Things look pretty good. Um, VA, that Kalaos, Kalaos hasn't played in a couple weeks. Let's see what that looks like. Um, Bombers seem to have some question marks on injury. Report if the injury report is to be believed. Folks, don't take the injury report seriously. Uh, I believe a player like Dalton Schoen can hop on the field on Sunday. That's how far as I think injury reports are at this time of year. Um, Richard, I will combat your point with, I think you need a running game to win in Winnipeg. It's, uh, But again, temperature will not be typical uh, Winnipeg November. It looks like it to be around... Well, it's supposed to be what one or, two, checked, yeah. one or two degrees for a high. Take about a minus two at kickoff in the evening in the dark. Take it for what you will. Uh, doesn't seem to be any precipitation. Uh, does I don't want to foreshadow my pit, but something to me about this doesn't sit well. I, I don't know what it is. I'm getting those. Interesting VA vibes about, to, to me, this whole thing rides on Vernon Adams. He played the way he did last week. Okay, this will be very interesting. Uh, if he plays the way he did the first game, or sorry, the second game in Winnipeg, oh, you know. You we, mean we, doesn't play? Dane Evans started that game. Well, oh, yeah, but you know what I mean. They didn't quite have that. Um, but sort of it factor. The other side is BC has the only win, or I guess the only loss, really, of consequence for the Bombers at home this year. Um, I think that's something to be concerned about. But, guys, I think this would be a close game. Um, I have a bad feeling. I know I picked Winnipeg to win the Great Cup, but watching what I watched last week, I don't know, man. That defense has to step it up. And i beginning to question if they can. But that being said, I'm excited the Bombers are hosting this game. I think there's something to be said about this crowd being in Winnipeg. Uh, this game being in Winnipeg, the crowd noise. Um, I think the crowd noise counts for something. Um, I don't know how much to value in hindsight. Vernon Adams game last week because it's a Calgary team but just basically limped in the playoffs and many already didn't deserve to make the playoffs but probably deserve to make the playoffs based on the way they finished. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts on the game are kind of scrambled at the minute because I go back and forth. But it'll be a good game nonetheless and I think this is the matchup we expected uh, from about Labor Day onward, much the same as the East Coast. Maybe even like week four onwards, to be honest. Uh, Trey, what do you think? What's the, what's the biggest storyline in this game? I agree with what Mike said. Vernon's five touchdowns last week. If he can put up three, like either on the ground or in the air, I think he's putting his team in a good chance to win. 
Um, but you're right. It all comes down to this run game that BC is non-existent. Vernon Adams led the team with 54 yards last week. Is that really, that's not a run game. And the one, I guess I've already said that I, I half agree with home field advantage. It, <laughs> it's not going to be a super cold game. So can BC lean on their pass game? Because, you know, is zero even cold enough? We've all tried probably catching a football in cold weather. It could be plus 10, and it's a lot harder to catch a football than it is in plus 20. But, you know, is minus zero? It's going to be very interesting. But on the BC side, I know Mike said, no, look at those injury reports. But those injury reports worry me a little bit, depending on how, even if, yeah, sure, Schoen could play. Sure, Dembski could play. Sure, all those guys could play. But they're not Patrick Mahomes who could play on one ankle. You know, they're not. They're not. God, they're not. They're not Jesus walking on water, right? They they might be better to some degree, but are they going to be good enough to play? Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at. That injury report. I, I'm going to really look at that Friday afternoon and see how it goes. Adam, game MVP, Al Couture, the Bombers trainer, right now. If if they're all on the field, Mike, we'll give them MVP. Uh, Nevertheless, I'm looking at the Lions in this game here. I mean, Matthew Betts has to get it going for the BC Lions and really step up and make some plays early to get Zach Kalaros, you know, in his usual throwing interceptions kind of way. Uh, If he does that and Kalaros starts throwing bad plays, which he does have a tendency to do during the playoffs, it could be a long night for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, especially if all of a sudden Schoen or Dembski's not there to bail them out. Uh, but the big thing for the BC Lions is they got to be able to stop Brady Oliveira. If they can't, it's going to be ugly. I don't care. It's all about the run game. You're right. Uh, Oliveira's been just absolutely lights out all year. As much as I don't really care for the guy, he's a good good player. And, I mean, I like I said, you can't argue that. Uh, if BC can stop him, and Schoen and Dembski are injured. I don't like Winnipeg's chances in this one. Uh, that being said, Winnipeg, good team find a good way to win. And I think Winnipeg is a pretty good team. I just have a funny feeling that Winnipeg somehow is going to pull this one off once more. And, you know, for the fourth time in how many years, they're going to go back to the Great Cup. But, uh, yeah, I'll talk about that one later on. But, uh, yeah, the big thing, I think, for me is Matthew Betts has to get on Caleros. And they gotta stop Brady Oliveira somehow, and that's a big challenge for a BC defense. I think for me, the biggest thing in this game. Well, first of all, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Vernon Adams Jr. here in his five touchdowns last week, and I've seen a lot of talk this week about uh, this. All comes down to VA, and are we going to get good VA or bad VA? Throw that out. There is no bad VA anymore. Like that was previous seasons. He has been good all season long. He had that one six interception game against the Argos. That was basically it. Like we're talking about 16 games played this year, 10 of them over 300 yards passing. Three of those others were over 260 or something like that. Like VA has knocked it out of the park in basically every single game this year. And I would argue Zach Caleros has had more up and downs throughout this season uh than VA has right like Caleros has uh thrown his fair share of interceptions so it could come down to a costly turnover in this game we'll see who can manage the game better here uh who can put on their best Matt Nichols hat uh in this game and manage it and I think that's the interesting storyline is just the the different kinds of firepower that these offenses have 
the Bombers absolutely should re- lean on that run game. It's when the, it's how they play their best. They let Oliveira run it down teams' throats. On BC's side, I don't think they need to. Like, they haven't all year, and they can tear teams apart through the pass. I agree with what was said in the comments. There's no need to run the ball for the Lions' offense because nobody's shutting them down uh, through the passing game. And I don't know if this Bombers bend, but don't break at times defense. Uh, they, they're going to need to tighten it up big time in order to get that done here in the playoffs. Uh, which leads to the kind of question, I think we've talked about this a little bit, of... The Lions are technically the underdogs in this football game, although it's a lot closer of a line than the other game. What does BC need to do to pull off the upset, and how do they do it? They've got to keep Oliveira under control to me. Like You cannot let this get to the fourth quarter with a close football game where the Bombers out on top and let them run a 10-minute drive to run out the rest of the game clock in here because that's how Winnipeg wins almost every game of theirs, uh, if you watch it, for the most part. So... That's going to be the big key here for me, for BC, to turn this around. Just stop Oliveira. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Do you have anything else to add on top of what you've already said? No, I agree. You, you have to you have to put Oliveira, stop Oliveira and make this a game that Caleros has to win. You know, I think he has to, you have to put it on, make it, make him go on his shoulders and have to win it 100%. You, you, yeah, if it's a 10-minute drive to end the fourth quarter, this game's over, right? So, Mike, what about you? Mike? Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting things will be the coin toss. I uh, Buff mentioned it already. Uh, win at 29, minus one field at minus six. Sounds like the Bombers, if we win the toss, sounds like they defer. Uh, take the win in the fourth. So I think the point of emphasis will be the coin toss. And I think a heavy dose of run gets this done one way or another. Um in fact, I dare Vernon Adams to throw the ball up in the wind. Um, give it a try. See if it happens. Um, I don't say that in a condescending way. Um, I think the Bombers can be exposed on the back end from time to time by that. But, yeah, it's just if this is a one-score game in the fourth quarter, 11 minutes left, 20 to get in the ball, Maybe some Johnny Odyssey, maybe some Nick Damski. Um, I, I want to see sort of what the plan is for Marquis Bambles. Uh, it sounds like he did dry in at the expense of uh, Damian Johnson, who's been the fullback. Uh, if there are some question marks at wide receiver with either Dempsey or Sean. Um, you know, I feel like I'm disrespecting my own football team when a bunch of backups went in and dispatched Calgary in the final game of the regular season. Maybe we were selling some of these backups short. I just don't know. Or maybe part of me is just like, oh, the dirt old bombers are going to find a way to let us down. Maybe, maybe I still live like that. I don't know. I don't know. But nonetheless. That's how I live every day, Mike. Don't worry. It doesn't go away. Fourth year in a row. Can we go to a great cup for the fourth year in a row? No. Stay no. tuned. No. Adam, what do you think? What does BC got to do to turn the tide here? Well, I think if anybody watches the uh, TV series Shorzy, uh, the thing that he says at the beginning of it is, who's going to set the tone, boys? Who's going to set it? Well, last week, Josh Woods, right on the first play of special teams, absolutely lit up 
uh, Paul there, uh, our Logan, our Paul Logan there. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Logan. Doubt it. Uh, one day I'll get your name right. I'm sorry again to Mr. Logan. Anyways. Uh, I think you ever have. I don't think I've gotten it right once all season. So, <laughs> anyways, Josh Woods just absolutely went and destroyed him on the first play of the game. And it was such a massive play that, it, you know what, it got all momentum going on BC side real early. Uh, Josh Archibald hit him. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was Josh Woods. Nevertheless, uh, Josh Woods uh, is going to be in there probably for Halidic, uh this week. Uh, and again, he's a bigger guy. I know I, I've seen him play. Uh, he's he's going to be a guy that maybe will be a better one to stop uh, Bray Oliveira. But again, it, that's the key. Uh, it's not just one guy that's going to be able to stop Brady Oliveira. you got to double-team him. You can't just rely on one guy. You won't do it. Uh, so BC's got to watch for that. And especially if it isn't working with Oliveira or all of a sudden Sacalero sees some openings because everybody's teaming in and keying in on the run, you could be in trouble. So... Gotta watch that one for the BC Lions if you're uh, if you're playing this one. Make sure that your players are still watching for pass, uh, because you know what? If you're just keying in on run, you might be missing something in the pass. Good point. Good point. Uh, all right, positional matchups. This game's a little more interesting than the other one. Offensively, who do y'all give the edge to between these two offenses, uh, Mike? Ty. I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, I, I think you should make an argument for either way. Winnipeg the better offense, BC the better offense, and you should have a good conversation. And you, you should be left with two people just making good points and leaving it at that. That's why I call it a tie. Trey, there's no ties in sports, Mike. So you got to pick one. Um, no, that's it, not true. That's this not is, true. This isn't a, is a, is a, is a soccer podcast, Mike. We have no ties. Um, it's it's NFL has ties. ties. Wow, it's garbage. The CFL has ties. Yeah, but, not in playoffs. We don't. Not in playoffs. Yeah, true. Um, if it goes long enough, you never know. I, I guess I agree with I agree with Mike because I would definitely take the Winnipeg run game a little bit more, but. If BA is firing on all cylinders, I think he's gonna light it up more than Claros in the passing game. So I guess it balances out. Adam, I'm gonna go just a, and again, it's just a sliver of an edge, but it is an edge to the BC Lions. Uh, Vernon Adams is just, I think, right now better than Claros. The the, the uh, run game is better on uh, BC side than the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber side. The run game is definitely on the Bomber side for sure, and offensive line is a tie. So. To me, it's the BC Lions by an edge, but not by much. I mean, pretty much this could turn into two tickets to the gun show. I'm going to give the Bombers a slight edge here, actually, just because the, the run game factor. Like, I, I think if he's if both QBs are on their game, Caleros can compete pretty close with VA. I give VA a slight edge, maybe, but I think the run game difference is massive between the two here. And actually looking at the offensive stats, Bombers led the league with 62 offensive touchdowns this year. BC had 45. So that's 17 extra times, almost won a game that uh, Winnipeg was putting the ball in the end zone there. So I will give them a bit of an edge on offense, but these are two fantastic offenses. What about on the defensive side of the ball? These are two defenses that at times they're great, and at times I don't trust them at all. 
I go Winnipeg. Uh, and I was actually surprised to see the Winnipeg defense is only allowing 18.2 points per game on the season. Like that's pretty darn good. Uh, so I, I think I lean them. Uh, I think they've been slightly better against slight edge. Uh, but you never know with Richie Hall's bend, but don't break. Try to get the whiteboard out. What do you think? BC. <laughs> BC. Um, well, if I see a wide open player on Saturday, I'm going home. Like I just, I am tired <laughs> of this bomber defense and I get it happens and the field's big, but I just feel Guys are wide open. I can't buy real estate like that on Madden, but I don't know how our bomber defense just allows it all the time. And maybe I'm looking into this too much, but I ran into a certain defensive lineman on the blue bombers and he just, he apologized or he said, all right, he, you know, he kind of said, Oh, sorry, man to me. And I was like, that's not the killer instinct I want going into the West finals. So, you know, and you told him that get out of my way, Ray, get out of my way, man. That's what he should have said. Did you go and tell him he's turned into too much of a Canadian? I should have saying sorry. I Next time, I was actually surprised the Texas guy he wasn't bundled up that much, man. I was, uh, he's he's a climb he's climatized good. So. <laughs> Adam, what about you on defense? I was going to give the slight edge to the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers again, and the reason I'm going to give Alexia a little more edge than I did with the offenses, uh, because I think that there's some players in Winnipeg that has a good opportunity. They can get pressure on the front and do on the sacks, but. The uh, defensive secondary, Demario Houston has had himself a year. Uh, there's some of those guys that can just really make some picks when they need to and make timely picks. So I'm going to give the edge to the B- Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, but that being said, they're going to have their hands full with a very good uh, Winnipeg re- or BC receiving core. Mike, what do you got? Um, I like Winnipeg defensively. Um just based on the last four to six weeks, minus that playoff game, to me, BC's shown some uh, weakness, particularly in defending the run um, in the back half of the season. Uh, I think this is going to be a um, a very closely contested football game, and that is realistically. We're one BC receiver falling down away, away from this game being in BC. Um, really, if the, if the receiver falls down like he's supposed to, they tip the game-winning field goal and the game is in BC, or maybe not even happening at all. I, I still don't. I don't think it actually would because they they crapped the bed against Calgary. So, but but then Ryan, they have incentive to play that whole all differently. Yeah, that's fair. Right, because then they're in the driver's seat for first place. They have lost incentive to to sort of lay down. I think they saw it as we don't see Winnipeg folding down the stretch, and let's try not to get hurt. Um, did BC seemingly dominated every other game against Calgary this year, including last week? And I thought, you know, a lot of that was gravy at the end. I thought that was a more the score flattered Calgary more than it probably should have. Um, yeah, so, this is, uh, so that, 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 that's my kind of opinion on that. What about special teams here? Uh, Adam, who do you give the edge to on special teams? I think I like Sean White a little bit more over Sergio Castillo. Uh, definitely has the accuracy rating, I think, over uh, Castillo this year. Uh, return-wise, 
Uh, Terry Williams is always the one guy that seemed to always be dangerous quite a bit. Uh, compare that to, uh, is it uh, Julian Grant still or? Janarian Grant. Janarian yeah. Grant, yeah, wrong Grant. Too many of them as well in the league. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, Julian Grant is a good returner, but again. Uh, Janarian, <laughs> you said it again. <laughs> Two seconds later. I don't even have a beverage in my hand. At least if I had that, I could make an excuse out of this. Look, Adam's adjusting to the time change, okay? Normally, it's earlier in the day for him when we do this. Now it's later. It's sleepy time. It's the old man. Hey, the old man is tired, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, Grant, anyways, is, yeah, he's a good returner. Uh, I think I give the edge to Terry Williams and definitely give it for Sean White over uh, Castile. So, yeah, I'll go advantage uh, BC. Uh, Trey, what about you? Ah, I'm leaning towards BC as well. I agree with the kicker and the returner. I I don't know, has Janarian Grant, since he's returned from his injury, hasn't quite looked the same. But if if he's the same as before, I'll take Winnipeg's return. But I'm going to take the chance that he's still maybe a little sore and not quite 100%. So I'll go BC. I just saw in the chat here. Good point, Richard. If the if the Lions had beaten the Bombers and they end up tied, BC would add the tiebreaker, so that game against Calgary wouldn't have mattered actually for them. So, Mike, I think yes, you were right earlier uh, on that. Uh, what do you think on special teams, Mike? Who has the edge? Yeah, advantage uh, BC just from a standpoint. For Terry Williams, has done a little bit more. Lately, the engineering Grant, but if, if there's ever a game for Janarian Grant to break one open, and I think he had it against BC this year uh, or in the past, um, you know, I, I like BC. I don't think I buy that Sean White better than Sergio Testia uh, debate. I think that's fairly even. Um, I do give the advantage that I think Sean White is the punter in BC. Is that right? Isn't it Flintoft? Well, yeah, sorry, Flintoft. Um, I do give Flintoff maybe a bit of an advantage over Sean or Sheen, 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 yeah. Sean, the, the punter. Um, so, yeah, two of the three BC advantage BC special teams wise for me, but not by much. And Janarian Grant has a right to. Uh, Make me eat, you know what, when uh, he returns to punt returns for a touchdown in this game. The other thing also to keep in mind, this game does have an outdoor element to it, and Sean White is an indoor kicker in BC place, so that could be a factor as well. I should mention that. I think for that reason, I might go slight edge to the Bombers, but honestly, I was going to say it's equal because I think White is the better kicker. But at Janarian Grant, I would put a little bit higher up because he seems to deliver something uh, in the return game against BC almost every time he plays them. Uh, so I think it's a good matchup there. Wasn't but White the kicker for Edmonton for a while, so he doesn't care about the cold. Yeah, he's he's been around the block, yeah. right? So Edmonton uh, doesn't play a playoff, so don't matter. They did back when he played for that's them. True, so true. Uh, yeah, Terry Williams is close. I, you know, I'll call it a tie on special teams. And then final category before we get into our picks is uh, what do you guys think about the coaching factor here? Mike Gauthier on one side, Rick Campbell and crew on the other. Uh, Mike, uh, who do you give the edge to? Oh, oh, say morning, noon, night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, taste closed. 
That's fair. He's got a pretty good track record there. Uh, Adam, what about you? Rick Campbell's actually a pretty good coach as well. Uh, he's got probably some good people around him. Uh, that being said, though, yeah, give it to the ginger. Uh, he's probably uh, probably got the one of the best coaching staff with him right now with Buck Pierce and uh, Richie Hall, who both apparently are interviewing for the Rough Rider job as soon as they get a shot, which is weird because really, Richie? Really? Anyways, uh, nevertheless, no, I think the better coaching staff uh, is probably through Winnipeg, although I do like Rick Campbell and his uh, coaching staff too. Trey? Yeah, that, I, I've been honest with we're having this discussion next year. I think PC didn't have a really good team next year. Um, you got to watch before you could run, and this is just another step up the ladder for PC. And I, I, I think it started last year, and I think they're building toward that home grade cup next year. Um, yeah, I'll go with Winnipeg, but I think it's closer than than people think. Um, because like, again, I think be I agree with what Mike's saying, and I agree with what Adam's saying. I think, yeah, if I had to take Osh, I take Osh every day. Um, even if I would take Osh on an 0 and 18 team, you know what I mean? I think he's got a he's the guy that could get them to win, but I think Campbell's a lot closer to Osh, and we might be putting him in those conversations over the next few years. I would give O'Shea the edge if we're just talking head coach, but I'm going to give the overall edge to BC here because I love what Jordan Maximic has done as the offensive coordinator uh, there in BC and their offensive game plan and getting the most out of VA there. And yeah, the Bombers offense has been pretty good this year, but Buck Pierce tries to get fancy sometimes, right? We're talking double reverses up 30 points uh, and, and things like that. And, and I don't know, there's situations where he just calls questionable plays here and there in between. And so I think I like the the offensive coaching, at least to BC a little better. Uh, I'm going to give them an edge there. I didn't give them the, the outright edge in anything yet. So I will do that. Finally, our picks straight up against the spread. The line is Winnipeg by five and the over-under again at 50.5. Trey, betting expert, what you got? You know, I'm going to give a little bonus one. I was messing around on FanDuel. They have player props up already. So a little same-game parlay. I'm going to give a little teaser. A $5 will win $100.62. So this is what I got. Brady Oliveira to score two-plus touchdowns. With Zach Caleros under 276.5 passing yards, with Vernon Adams Jr. over 299.5, with Vernon Adams also over 1.5 passing touchdowns. I'll go with that. Um, but my I, I think the hardest thing to hit there might be the Oliveira two touchdowns. I like, know, but I, 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 I could see this team getting close to the red zone awful lot and leaning on him. And you know they'll have some for it's a, it it is a it, hey that's why it's gambling man if it was if it was easy it wouldn't be legal man it wouldn't be allowed right so we'll go yeah, with that sure. um, but the over unders and the spreads I'm gonna take BC plus five BC outright to win and under fifty and a half gentlemen I don't care have at it Mike what do you got tell me tell me how I'm an idiot yeah I kind of hinted at this all day long. BC to cover, BC under 50, BC outright. Party's over here. I I just, I felt awful about this matchup all week. I can't tell you why. Um, BC just seems to want it right now. 
and Winnipeg injury concerns are a concern for me. And I will be the happiest guy on planet Earth. You guys know this when the Bombers win, but just something doesn't sit well with me. And PC You've been giving me so much and, crap and, that I haven't and, been a bomber. Like I haven't been on this team all summer, and now you, now no, you join my side. No, and, and I, I, just, I, I, I just feel a bit colossal. Didn't throw maybe that one pitch sets fit the side of the game. One, That's, one. <laughs> One. How many did he throw? Oh, you know, I guess he threw four picks against Saskatchewan, but did any go back? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they were all in the red zone. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, they were all in the red zone. Six total turnovers. Jeez. And then somehow kicked the lead. There's six one. turnovers, man. I'm gone. I can't. I'm not sitting through that. I have too much stress in my life. Man, we're grown adults and we're worrying about a kid's game, man. Like, ugh. <laughs> Adam, you got two Bomber fans picking BC. Now watch him pick Winnipeg just to really screw with us. I was about to say, should I pick the double reverse here? (laughs) Anyways, um, no, I've always said it before. Offenses win trophies and banners and they look cool looking things. But defenses really win championships. And you know what? I still think BC has got a pretty good defense, but Winnipeg's is still a little better. Uh, Brady Oliveira has just been really, really good this year. Uh, if he gets over 100 yards this, this game and gets a couple touchdowns, this game's over. I just don't think Winnipeg is – our BC's is great playing in cold weather, and I think that that could be a little bit of a factor as well. And who knows? Maybe Winnipeg fans actually can figure out how to make some noise. I've said that purposely so Winnipeg fans will make noise because, you know, to show up me, come on, do it. Dare you. Anyways, uh, no, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to cover the five points. Uh, They're going to get six or seven, and they're going to move on to the Great Cup one last time. But I'll tell you right now, I don't think I'll be picking this one next year. I'm just, I'm looking back. Really quickly, Buck hit my feelings right on the head here. Have low expectations, and you won't be disappointed in what happens. Oh, that's what my girlfriend says about me all the time, man. <laughs> Moving on. That's what my ex-wife said too. So I mean, it's a it's a calm calm. Anyway, and we're but, yes, but I'm yeah, taking like, both road teams, Richard, because home field doesn't matter. I'm going. So. Okay, so my turn. Perfect segue. Thanks, there, Trey. You say home field doesn't matter, but I've spent the whole time you guys are talking, <laughs> scrolling through the Bombers' schedule outside of that home loss to BC this year, trying to find the last time they lost a home game. Uh, I'm in 2019 currently. Uh, They went perfect at home last year. Unless I missed something, if anything, maybe they lost one game at home uh, in uh, 2021, but I don't think they did. thought they did. Maybe they didn't. This team has lost one home game in the last three years, and they were god-awful on the road this season. So you cannot tell me home field advantage does not matter when a team plays night and day difference at home. The Bombers get it done with the crowd. They get it done with the run game. BC struggles on the road a lot more than they do at home. It's the Bombers all day for me in this game, and it's not a question. Uh, I'm taking Winnipeg to win this one. I'm excited for what this game will bring. 
I'm definitely taking the over because both teams are going to light it up in this one. But this is uh, this is classic Bombers football gets it done here with uh, Brady Oliveira in the fourth quarter. So I I'll take them. I can yeah. tell you anything I want to, Ryan. I can tell and, you anything. And and I keep always saying, forgetting to say over under. Yeah, I'm on the over also. Did they lose to Montreal? Yeah, they did. They lost on the on the last oh, field yes. goal. And, but you know the one that the one that's really stuck in my mind is that I know it was a win, but we they did not play good against the second stringers on Toronto at home. You know, if they can't, you know, that's a game that should have they should have mopped the floor with these are second third stringers in the CFL. They should mop the floor if Winnipeg is as good as everyone else thinks they are. And, and that's what's stuck in my head. But and now you're my, playing my, DC. But they score with Calgary in their last regular season game, so nobody can take that away from them. And my thing is, again, it's two teams in different directions right away. Winnipeg is going to go down one of these years. It's going to happen, but it's still one more year before it happens. And this is Winnipeg's kind of last hurrah, I think, at it uh, before some things are going to have to start changing. And BC's kind of been going on the way up. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. One last year for BC to probably still not quite make the Grey Cup. And one last year for Winnipeg to get one more shot out. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Montreal did beat them in that game. How could I forget that one? But, you know, we're talking three home losses in three years. Like, you can have a bad game here and there and you still win. Uh, And this team's dominant at home. So, We'll see what it brings for both uh, these games this weekend. I just hope they're exciting games The after the blowouts we got last weekend. These are the two matchups we've been waiting for literally all season long. So let's get to the matchups and let's have some fun with them. Uh, and we'll be uh, watching closely and then previewing the Grey Cup next week as we get into wrapping things up here on the podcast. Uh, So we'll be back same time, same place next Wednesday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll preview the Grey Cup matchup uh, and we'll break down everything as we have here tonight uh, and uh, see what it brings from there. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. I don't really tweet much, but I'm there. Uh, looks like Mike had to drop off, so uh, but you can find him at Mike Garrell. Uh, if you want to check out uh, anything else he's got going on these days as well. Uh, Trey, where can people find everything you're doing right now? Uh, you can find me on the X at Trey Harness Link. Uh, yeah, my work schedule slowing down. Horses don't like to run in the cold. So <laughs> I got more time to play Spider-Man and just mess around and don't do anything all day. So it's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, Adam, how's hockey going, man? Well, had our first practice here. Just, uh, well, a couple practices already. We're getting ready for uh, home opener next Saturday night in Theodore against the uh, Rokeville Tigers. Uh, team we beat last year for the championship, so that should be a big game. Uh, what else do we got? We have a few more practices yet before we get into there, though. Uh, in one game, we're going to go up to uh, see the land of Priestville, Saskatchewan, and go and play the Priestville Pats. Uh, luckily, they don't have the darts, so we're okay. Uh, no, everything's going good. And uh, Trey, you were saying how horses don't like to run in the cold. Just ask the Calgary Stampeders. Exactly. And, anyways. Uh, you can find me at Adam Stewart one 
likely I'm probably talking about senior hockey right now a little bit uh, more than I usually do uh, because it's the start of the season and there's all sorts of cool, fun stuff happening. Uh, staff senior hockey is huge in this area. So, um, yeah, it's all fun and fun to watch. But I still will try to catch the East and West final. And, uh, yeah, go from there. Uh, Richard in the chat is the winner of the uh, West Division win the Grey Cup after this game. I guess you're going to have to find out next week if we think that. Wait, real quick, Buck asked, have we been liking the Saturday playoffs better than Sunday? <clears throat> I like the Saturday. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't think I minded it. No. I see, now they change it when I'm an adult and I don't drink as much. You know, why couldn't they have <laughs> Saturday back then? I, there's been a few Monday hangovers in 2019 and stuff like that. Now they change it now when I've cut that out of my life. But, okay. I don't think I felt what I don't think uh, Saturday or Sunday made too much of a difference one way or another for me this time around. But uh, as somebody who used to hate Sunday playoff games because that was the one day I was like most busy over the weekend, uh, yeah, I'm happy now it's Saturday. But much like you, Trey, I wish that would have been the case earlier. Um, you know what would have been? It would be deadly though if on Sunday if they could mix the playoffs into red zone. Then it would be the best ever. But, <laughs> but no, I'm good with Saturday. So then Sunday can be red zone. And, and oh, and I go to church, Grandma, if you're watching. But also, never change Grey Cup to Sun Saturday. Please never do that. No, I think that's got to stay hey, on Sunday. That's the classic. I, I I push that they make the Monday a national holiday. Then fair. I can live with that. I mean, we've got national holidays for everything else. That makes exactly. Sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, either move it to Saturday or, or add a holiday on Monday. You've got to travel either way, right? So um, also a comment here, talk TV ratings from this year and last year. Yeah, th those got announced. I think it was up 11% from last year or something like that. We did a lot. We talked a lot last week about the attendance stuff and the, some increases there. I think we talked a little bit of TV ratings in there, but I think it's all positive to see that, especially with you know, the CFL not really getting too far into the streaming market yet and more people moving away from cable to still be able to hit like an increase of 11% and get that CFL plus uh, thing on their site started. I mean, I think it's positive, positive movement. I thought for I them saw though that last, the Saturday playoffs were down in ratings. Compared they... to Sundays last year. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I also thought I saw that attendance was up, so I'm pretty sure that it's, they're going to take attendance over TV ratings right now because, right, that's we're a gate-driven league. Yeah, for sure. So, mm -hmm. oh, Buckshot Kid says he doesn't like Saturday because he's watching CIS football. Well, good on you, man. Yeah, um, who else sure does that? For... What's that? <laughs> who else does that? Mm, I, I mean, there's I people like who do it. I wish, well, I, I, wish, I wish CIS was at least 10% NCAA level. You know what I mean? I wish it was it. And not saying excitement. It's great players. I work with guys who play for the Bisons. They're great. But I wish the excitement around it was NCAA level, right? Or closer. Fair enough. But who do you guys have for the Hardy Cup? Is it going to be U of M or is it going to be the uh, UBC Thunderbirds? What the Bison? I yeah, the Bisons were eliminated. Yeah, they that? were eliminated. Oh, sorry. The Golden Bears are the UBC Thunderbirds. My bad. Um,. Who beat the Bison? Uh, I think UBC. Then the other one. I'm much like Mike in the Leafs. I don't have a horse in the race. 
<laughs> oh man he's gotta have a leafs pillow like or something like he just snuggles or that tent, like the, the polar bear mascot like he's got i don't know man i'm sure he's just loving the score tonight senators won six to three against oh the we leafs. talked about it before when you were late adam yeah. <laughs> all right well like i said follow us on social media you can also check out all the other great shows from around the canadian football podcast network at cf pod network on twitter uh, check out the Discord community. Link is in the episode description. Reminder, uh, season wrap-up special coming in a couple of weeks. Send us in your favorite moments, favorite clips from the season so we can uh, do the the uh, the awards and reminisce about everything we got wrong. Uh, and uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends. Help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Mike, Trey, and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.